Dan as he comes to minister the word. Thank you, Pastor Darrell. You guys ready to get smart this morning? Why I'm up here about that, I don't know. Uh, no, uh, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Darrell kicked off this series, Get Smart. And it's in the book of Proverbs, and he told us, just to kind of review, he opened it up right off the cuff in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. It says, their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right just and fair. And Pastor Darrell spoke to us on 10 benefits of wisdom. For the sake of time and the sake of review, I'm not going to go over all 10. Um, you could watch that online if you didn't get to see it. But if I noticed, because I pay attention, when I, love, I love the preaching of the word, he spoke 20 proverbs to us just in that one message. Now that doesn't even scratch the surface of what the book gives. Um, but no more, no None more important than Proverbs 9.10 that he read that week. And it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, in the New Century Version, it says it this way, Wisdom begins with respect for the Lord, and understanding begins with knowing the Holy One. Uh, see, the word fear is not like we would interpret it as being afraid of God. We're not supposed to be afraid of God. Fear is to respect the Lord. When we give him the respect he deserves, we get wisdom. All right? And Pastor Darrell challenged all of us to read a chapter a day in Proverbs. 31 chapters. I hope you started. If you didn't, start today. There's a lot of wisdom. He wouldn't have asked us or challenged us to do it if he didn't know that we would grow closer to God and be more wise um, by doing it. So this week, he asked me to speak. And it's interesting because I consider Pastor Darrell one of the, the wisest people I know, not just because he told me to say that, but because I really do believe that. Um, and I figured he spoke on great wisdom a couple weeks ago. So I figured this week he wanted um, to, you know, somebody to speak on foolishness. And since I'm foolish most of the time, um, that's why I'm up here. But, um, but I heard this story uh, kind of a little closer to home than I think, but uh, a youth pastor with only an undergrad degree and a lead pastor with a doctorate of theology degree decided to go on a camping trip. Now, after dinner, they laid down for the night and went to sleep, and a few hours later, the youth pastor awoke and nudged his lead pastor. The youth pastor said to the, the lead pastor, look up at the sky and tell me what you see. The lead pastor replied, I see millions of stars. What does that tell you? The lead pastor pondered for a minute. Astronomically, it tells me that there are millions of galaxies. Theologically, I can see that God is all-powerful. Meteorologically, see if I had a doctorate, I could pronounce that. I suspect that we will have a beautiful day tomorrow. What does that tell you, the lead pastor said to the youth pastor. Well, the youth pastor was silent for a minute, and then he spoke to the lead pastor and says, you idiot, someone has stolen our tent. <laughs> See, it doesn't matter how educated you are. Sometimes you just need to have wisdom. 
Now, when Pastor Darrell asked me to speak, um, he gave me a couple days' notice, and I appreciate it. I had a very difficult time trying to find just one proverb to speak on. I mean, it was hard. And, and as I was kind of praying and reading and, and studying, I kind of stumbled across this passage in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 15 and 16. It's in the message version, and it says, A nagging spouse is like the drip, drip, drip of a leaky faucet. You can't turn it off, and you can't get away from it. Now listen, listen. I believe that there is nothing wrong with this passage, and there would be nothing wrong with teaching on this verse. But it would be foolish of me if I did. See, you, you understand the wisdom and foolish. See, Solomon had 700 wives, so I think by chapter 27 he needed to vent a little bit. I get that. Somebody once said that I don't think we get smarter as we get older. I just think we run out of stupid things to do, right? Now, let's fast forward a little bit. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Now, I'm going to be in Proverbs, but my text is going to be in Ephesians. See, if, you're, if you watch movies, you notice when you get into a movie, it begins and it says something like 30 years later kind of a thing, right? Or something, and, and it, it, it creates a scene, and then you go back to see how you got to where you were, right? Now, a proverb, as you're turning there, a proverb is defined in our Webster's Dictionary as stating a general truth or giving a good piece of advice. And in this series, Get Smart, it's kind of a spinoff of a 1960s TV sitcom, or if that's before your time like it is for me, maybe you saw the 2008 movie, Get Smart. But both of them had this kind of plot. The series centers around the secret agent, Agent 86, also known as Maxwell Smart, who works for an organization called Control. As a secret U.S. government counterintelligence agency based in Washington, D.C. Now, Smart's bumbling nature and demands to do things by the book invariably causes complications. However, smart, Maxwell smart, never fails to save the day. Now, the nemesis of control is called chaos, and it's an organization of evil. Now, I'll get back to that in a few moments, but today I want to get smart and see the difference between chaos and control. And the title of my message is actually Control in Chaos. Because we live in a world full of chaos, right? And in my text in Ephesians 1, verse 17, this is, this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. This is to the church in Ephesus, but I believe this is for us today. And it says in verse 17, I keep asking that God that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Are you with me this morning? There is a difference, somewhat of a difference, between wisdom and revelation. I'll get back to that because I think there, there is, it's one and the same, but there is some differences. If you're like me, I tend to pray a lot for revelation. I want God to speak directly to me. 
Are, 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 you, are you with me on that? I, I want God, when I pray, say, God, give me a word. But see, if we, if we look at our everyday life and all the things that we, we do, we don't pray to receive a revelation from God whether we should brush our teeth or not, right? Maybe you do. Um, I don't know if we should pray about whether we should put deodorant on or not. I mean, somebody once told me that wisdom is like deodorant. The people who need it most never use it. We don't pray about what cereal we should eat or not, whether it's Cheerios or Frosted Flakes or Cocoa Puffs or whatever. Um, we're not looking for revelation for that. We don't pray whether we should be a Cubs fan or a Sox fan. We should know, go Cubbies, all right? That's just... But I believe this morning that there are three things that stick out to me in the book of Proverbs. Now, the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. That's the obvious theme in the book. But as you read and study through it, it focuses on becoming a person of wisdom, and there's kind of three things that go along with that. So I want to talk to you about the first thing of becoming a wise person has to do with our morals. Proverbs 10.9 says, the man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes a crooked path will be found out. Now, if you know the history of our writer, Solomon, um, in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, it, it says that God appeared to Solomon in a dream, and he asked him, you know, Solomon, whatever you ask, I will give you. And he asked for wisdom. So God gave him wisdom, but he didn't just give him wisdom, you know. He gave him a, variety, a list of things of success and fruitful life and wealth and, and so forth and so on. You see, Solomon didn't ask for world peace, though that could have been a good request. He didn't ask to solve world hunger, even though that would have been a good request to ask God. He didn't ask for the Chicago Cubs to win a World Series, even though that would be a great request. He asked for wisdom. But God is looking for those who are fully committed to him. And see, if you know Solomon, he, you should know Solomon's father, right? Maybe you've heard of him, King David. In Acts 13, 22, it says that David was a man after God's own heart, right? In Psalm 51, it says, created me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. David wrote that. So Solomon, though David was no perfect man, he was no perfect husband, he was no perfect father, he was a man after God's own heart, and his son Solomon, if you can tell, if you haven't already, definitely picked up some good things from his father. He was definitely listening to his father about who God was, because Solomon talks about the heart over 70 times in the book of Proverbs. Now, in Proverbs 4.23 Solomon writes, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Now, we interpret it this way, that Proverbs is do this and don't do that. 
Now, that's, that's a good interpretation, but it's kind of like we think of like, do right, but don't do wrong. But here's the thing, folks. Not everything is about just right and wrong. It's important, but it's all about being wise or foolish. Now, I have a Facebook account, and though I'm not a huge fan of Facebook, I utilize it. I'm a youth pastor, so it kind of keeps me on track with young people. I'm, I think I'm cool because I have 450 Facebook friends, so we're really close. So, I mean, it really helps. Um, but out of the 450 Facebook friends, um, now, I could have, I could be connecting to and talking to some of my ex-girlfriends. Um, I don't think it would necessarily be wrong to be Facebook friends with my ex-girlfriends, but I believe it would be foolish. Are you hearing me? I didn't lose you, right? It's not necessarily wrong sometimes, but if you think about it, it could be foolish. See, if we want our actions to imitate Jesus, we need to know what's wise and what's foolish. It doesn't say in Proverbs 4.23 that above all else, do good things. It doesn't say above all else, say good things. It says above all else, guard your heart. This needs to be a daily priority in our lives. See, we protect a lot of other things in our life more than our hearts. We protect our house. You know, sometimes we get a security system. We lock our doors. We shut our windows. Right? We turn the light on. We turn the light off. We protect our home. We protect our cars. We put it in our garage. You know, we protect our money. But if we guarded and protected our heart the way God says to, we would become the man or woman the husband and wife, the father and mother, even the friend that God created us to be. You see, there is a difference between being religious and righteousness. See, religious focuses on the outward behavior, and righteousness focuses on the inward heart. You see, being religious is all about being happy, but being spiritual is all about being joyful. There's a difference. In Proverbs 4.23 in the New King James Version, it says it this way. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Do you know anyone with issues? Are you sitting by somebody that, with issues? If it's your spouse, may God have mercy. No, 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 no. See, every decision and every attitude comes from the heart. You see, out of a clean heart comes clean water. It springs clean water. Our morals are about making wise decisions. The first thing to becoming a wise person has to do with our morals. Not being a good person, but living by the morals that God has set for us to live. The second thing to becoming a wise person has to do with our money. Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Now some of you are sitting here this morning, it's like, here we go, here we go. I saw this coming, the pastor's going to talk about money. Listen, this is not a tithing message. I'm not even going to go there, because even the first part of this passage just says, 
honor the Lord with your wealth. And there's a whole lot just in that one sentence. But in Proverbs chapter 1, if you even just read chapter 1 this week, you know, in the first few verses, it defines, you know, what Proverbs is all about. But if you read on verse, through verse 10 and ni- through 19, it really describes how we become greedy. Now, my wife is a big Charlie Brown fan. Snoopy, Peanuts characters. And in our heart, in our house, we have some, you know, different caricatures and, and different things about Charlie Brown. And one of the Charlie Brown movies is called The Great Pumpkin. Now, you know, I'm not going to go through the movie. We don't have time for that. You know, but it's about this big pumpkin. But if you know how that big pumpkin became so big, it started with a small little seed. Right? It smart, started with a small seed that was planted, that was water, that was taken care of. And then after time, it became this great big pumpkin. You see, greed is like that little seed. It starts with a simple choice of justification. And then after a while, it becomes this great big pumpkin. You see, how we handle our money determines how wise we are. When we are not good stewards of our money, we get financial cancer. It will kill us. Greed will kill us. Paul wrote to a young man named Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, verse 6 through 10, it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Does that sound like Proverbs to you? Paul wrote that in Timothy, but that sounds like a proverb, doesn't it? You know, it says that... We brought nothing into the world, but we take nothing out. That's why you never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Because you can't bring anything with you. You see, money isn't the problem. The love of money is the problem. You see, we all start out with a desire to live for God. I believe that. But if we manage our money God's way, we will walk in wisdom. Now, again, this point isn't about money is bad. This is not about whether you're, you're rich or poor, if you have money or not. It's about how you manage what you have. It's about being wise with what you've been given. But I believe that all of us tend to struggle with greed. And I believe there are three struggles, um, or, or every greedy person struggles with three Attitudes. Number one, the first attitude greedy people struggle with is I don't have enough. You see, people who are content always feel blessed. But people who are not content always feel that they never have enough. I don't know if you feel like that this morning, if you don't have enough. But see, God promised to always provide for us. 
See, if we are living for God and if we are living with wisdom, we'll always have enough. One of the greatest pieces of advice I have ever received, especially regarding money, was to live below my means. You see, when we live below our means, and when then we get extra from that, when we have extra left over, we can give it away instead of in glamorizing our lifestyle. See, once we get to a place that it is enough, then God will say, when I give you more, what are you going to do with it? And I believe the answer is to give it away. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This, too, is meaningless. You know who wrote that? Solomon. Solomon wrote that. The second attitude a greedy person struggles with is, what I do have is mine. The question I have for you is, does it belong to you or God? Now, if I were to ask that, I think that most of us, if not all of us, would say, well, of course it's God. Of course it's God. Even I would say that. But if we really believe that to be true, would you give it all away if he asked you? You see, it's easy to answer and yet difficult to do. I mean, Jesus gave us this example in Luke 18 when, it talk, when he talks about the rich young ruler, right? And the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he says, what can I do to inherit the kingdom of God? How, what can I do to get to heaven? He says, follow the, ten, follow the commandments, right? Follow the law. And he says, oh, yeah, I got that. I'm a great person. I follow it. He says, okay, sell everything you have and follow me. And what was his response? He put his head down and he walked away and he was discouraged because he wasn't willing to give up what he had or what he felt he worked for or what he felt he earned. You see, God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. Colossians 3, 5 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. You see, our flesh loves stuff. Let me ask you this. What is it you won't give away this morning? That's your idol. You see, the third attitude a greedy person struggles with is, I'll do whatever it takes to get more. Another question I have for you is, have you compromised Scripture for your gain? You see, our money is about making wise decisions. It's not about how much you have. It's not even about the amount you give. It all comes down to the heart. It's all about be, being wise with what you have. God promised us that he will always provide for us. So what are we worried about? Doesn't mean we shouldn't work hard. Shouldn't, doesn't mean that we shouldn't have a job. It doesn't mean we shouldn't provide you know, for our families. Doesn't mean that. It means that is it, is it about us or is it about God? The second thing to becoming a wise person has to do with our money. Remember that. The third thing to becoming a wise person has to do with our mouth. Now, originally, I was just going to preach on just this one point. I could go to town because I have a big mouth. You know, I love to speak. I love to hear myself speak. Why not? 
What are you laughing about? That, was, that wasn't a part of my funny jokes this morning. But Proverbs 18.21 says that the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. That's big. Solomon says the tongue has the power of life, life and death. See, whether it's our careless words, our intentional words, or even words we didn't even speak, the things we say or don't say matter. A few days ago, last weekend, we were at Expeditions Unlimited. We took 23 of our young people to camp. And if you know me, you know how much I love camping. That was funny. So that was, that was where you were supposed to laugh. Uh, but honestly, the, my, my favorite part of the trip is to see the faces of our young people and to hear the things that they were talking about and saying of the good times they were having together. That was my favorite part. One of the things we, we I guess it's become a tradition now when we go to expeditions, is we do this thing called words of life, where we all sit in a circle and each person takes the turn, but let's say it's my turn to go and I'm, I'm the person that we're, we're talking to, and the, the rest of the group, the 22 of them, goes around and for about 30 seconds they tell me what they like about me or what they admire about me or give me a word of encouragement. Now let me tell you this. I mean, this was, this was a great moment. Um, not just for me when it was my turn, but just hearing other people encouraging other people. It's amazing what 30 seconds per person does. There was words of life. There was speaking life into each person. And I have this in my notes, and originally I didn't know why I even put this in my notes, but now I get this. It's a sad statistic, but I've got to tell you, 80% of teenagers leave the church after high school. And what's interesting is statistically 80% of our young people in this church only attend NXT youth service about 20% of the time. If your young person didn't attend Expeditions Unlimited, they missed an opportunity. They missed an opportunity to be encouraged. They missed an opportunity to, to speak words of life. And maybe for, for whatever reason, they couldn't make it. But if, you're young, if your teenager is not involved and connected to our youth ministry, they're missing an opportunity to, be, to speak life into them, to encourage them, to be a part of a community within this church. And I don't want to be a part of that statistic. We're not trying to create a youth church here. We're trying to be a part of the body as a whole. Get your young people involved. Don't allow even good things in their lives to keep them away from being a part of what God is doing. Are you with me this morning? One of the things in my life, um, in ministry, um, there was a moment in my life where I was uh, serving in a ministry and one of, one of the men who I highly respected um, looked me in the eye one day and he told me that I'm a bad teammate and that he doesn't want me to be a part of his team anymore. It was a tough moment for me. I didn't necessarily agree with him. I didn't think it was appropriate for him to say. And it could have ruined me. It hurt me. It took me a while to get back on my feet and realize, because if you know me, 
Listen, I make a lot of mistakes. I can be foolish at times. I'm not perfect. But if you know me, you know being a team teammate and teamwork is the number one thing in my playbook. I'm all about teamwork. I'm all about helping the team succeed. But see, words in our life could either give us life or it could give us death. You see, I believe there are three, there are, are, are type, these type, there are certain types of words that give life and there are certain words that give death. And I believe there are three types of words that give life instead of death. Number one, there's wise words. Now, how do we know wise words? Well, we need to listen to wise words. You see, something that I've realized in my life is I need to be teachable. See, Proverbs 12:18 says, "The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing." You see, I don't think anyone woke up this morning wanting to be foolish. None of us want to be known as being a fool, but a lot of us end up becoming fools. How do we end up being foolish when we didn't even want to be foolish in the first place? You see, it's not about what's right or wrong, even though that's very important. I believe in right, I believe the difference of right and wrong. I believe that's important. But it's not about what's right or wrong, but it's really about making wise choices versus foolish choices. Let me give you a few examples here. Attending church. I don't think it's wrong to miss a Sunday. I don't think it's wrong to take off a week. But the question I have is, is it wise or is it foolish? What about staying out late? Right? I like hanging out with my friends once in a while. And there's nothing wrong with staying out late. I don't think so. But what if it keeps you from going to church the next day? What if it keeps you from going to work the next day? What if it keeps you from being the person God created you to be? The question is, is, is staying out late wise or is it foolish? What about going to work? How many of you don't feel like going to work every day? Me either. I don't like the people I work with. I don't know. No, 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 I'm just kidding. Ooh, did I say that out loud? Woo! Again, very foolish. Um, Listen, we don't always feel like going to work. And sometimes we have to call in sick when it's bad. It's not necessarily wrong to call in, call in to work. The question is, is it wise or is it foolish? What about eating at McDonald's? I don't think there's anything wrong with eating at McDonald's. But you always have to ask the question, is it wise or is it foolish? Proverbs 15.31 says, whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. See, I don't know about you, but I don't like being corrected. Do you like when someone points out an obvious fault to you? Right? Nobody likes that. But here's what I've discovered. If we will listen to wise correction, even though we may not agree... God uses those wise words to point out things we are not aware of. Somebody once told me that it's what we don't know that always kills us. See, we need to be teachable. We need to listen to wise words. That's how we become wise. 
How do we know wise words? Well, another way is hanging out with wise people. You see, I made a choice to surround myself with wise people. My inner circle is wise spiritual people. Proverbs 19.20 says, Listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end you will be counted among the wise. Proverbs 22.17 says, Pay attention and turn your ear to sayings of the wise. Apply your heart to what I teach. So let me ask you this. Who do you hang out with? Now, some of you are sitting there like, oh, here's the youth pastor. This is a great message for teenagers. It is a great message for teenagers. But I think it's even a greater message for adults. Because I know more adults that need to question who they're hanging out with than even teenagers do. You see, what I say during sermons on weekends or even Wednesday nights is a direct result of the relationships I have in my life. See, I do have some original ideas at times. But the 95% of what you hear me say is a result of the people I hang out with. The things I read, the sermons I listen to, the people I know, all of it. Yes, I pray. And yes, God gives me things to share in my messages. He gives me revelation. But God speaks wisdom through others in my life. You see, 95% of things you say are a direct result of people you hang out with every day. 95% of the decisions you make are influenced by the people you are closest to. Proverbs 13, 20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. You see, I have a choice of who I hang out with. If I think you're foolish, I can pray for you, I can counsel you, I'll be your pastor, but you're not going to be my friend. You will, be a, you will not be a part of my inner circle until I see a pattern of wise decisions in your life. Because I believe that I will become who I hang out with. You will become who you hang out with. I didn't say that to, to throw you under the bus, but here's what I'm trying to say. We could pray together, we could counsel one, but listen, are we living by the wisdom God places right in front of us? You see, I believe that we are making foolish choices because we allow foolish people to influence us. Proverbs 16.23 says, The hearts of the wise make their mouth prudent, and their lips promote instruction. It's this whole thing of wisdom in and wisdom out. Foolishness in and foolishness out. Now, I'm foolish from time to time, but I realize that when I hang out with wise people, I become wise. And occasionally, I will actually shock people with the wise words that I say. Wise words gives life. The second type of word that gives life is timely words. Proverbs 15, 23 says, A person finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how good is a timely word? 
Proverbs 25.11 says, Timely advice is lovely like golden apples in a silver basket. You see, we need to listen to the Holy Spirit so that we can receive and give timely words. God is looking for those who are fully committed to him. Are you that person? You see, God is fully capable of shouting, but he prefers to whisper. Are you listening? How often do we miss a word from the Holy Spirit that could have been timely? How often may we have missed a word from the Lord that we could have shared with somebody else that could have blessed and encouraged them? Well, you say, Pastor Dan, what if it's not a profound sentence or a theological marvel? Timely words give life. The third type of word that gives life is kind words. Proverbs 12, 25 says, Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. And listen, many of us struggle with anxiety, but anxiety really comes from worry and fear. It does. When I was a child, I heard this quote, and I've heard this a thousand times, that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is a lie straight from the pits of hell. Sticks and stones do hurt, but words hurt even more. Are you encouraging people or discouraging people with your words? How are you talking to your spouse? How are you talking to your children? How are you talking to your brothers and sisters? How are you talking to your friends? How are you talking to your parents? You see, there are two kind of ways to say the same thing. You could lift a person up or you could put them down by the way you talk to them. I know I have a challenge every day with my children. I could either yell at them and put them down or I could correct them, show them how to do right and walk with them. Most marriages end not necessarily because of adultery or money, though those are big reasons, but they start with words. They start with putting each other down. Listen, it doesn't mean we shouldn't correct each other. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't, you know, have to discipline or even yell at times. But our words have the power. And we need to use them wisely. Proverbs 4.24 says, keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. You see, a proverb is stating a truth. A proverb is stating good advice. And in this series, and even in the series on TV, Get Smart, you see, being a wise person shows who really is in control of your life. Being a foolish person produces chaos in your life. You see, if we are living and we are choosing wisdom every day, then we are choosing the one who is the wisest, who really is in control. 
But when we decide to make our own decisions and not use the wisdom that is given to us, that's why our life becomes chaos. These three things that I see in the book of Proverbs of becoming a wise person is our morals, our money, and our mouth. When Paul said to the church, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. When you open up the word of God in any page, let alone the book of Proverbs, the wisdom is right in front of you. And that wisdom is our revelation. Are you with me this morning? We need to put our lives in the hands who is in control. To be wise in all of the decisions we make of how we act, of what we do. And when that happens, we will know him better. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, we thank you for what you're doing in our, our, our congregation, and our lives. But today you have given us a word that I believe all of us need. The choices that we make every day, the way we act towards others. God, we want to become wiser than we are. And we only become wiser if we put our life in your hands. If we surrender our lives to your ways. And God, I pray for each person here right now, God, that you help them to surrender their life and to start living by the wisdom that you've given us right in front of us. If you're sitting next to your spouse or if you're sitting with your family, will you grab the, their hand next to you? You don't have to stand or anything. You just sit there, grab their hand, put their arm around them, do something. Man, if we just started praying over our families for wisdom, if we started living by wisdom, how different would our lives be? God, I pray for every family and every person that represents, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a family, whether it's a child, maybe it's a friend, it's a grandparent, maybe it's even an enemy. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, the spirit of wisdom and revelation on each life right now in each household in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that you will reveal yourself in that, in, in that house in that relationship. God, I pray for wisdom that each, each person, God, will, that you will give them wisdom and they will listen and they will, be, they will follow through and apply it to their lives so that you can redeem, that you can reconcile, that you can strengthen that relationship, that household. God, whether it's a physical ailment, whether it's a relational ailment, maybe, it's a, maybe they're in debt, whatever it may be. God, I pray a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the name of Jesus. God, we join hands together and we say, God, we need you. And I thank you for hearing us and I thank you for being there for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Gerald. What a good word from the Lord this morning, and we want to be people of the word. We want to live this out.
And a couple weeks ago, I gave you a challenge uh, to read through the book of Proverbs. Uh, some are underway. I've been talking to some. They're about 13, 14 chapters in. If you read one chapter a day, uh, you will get through it in 31 days, in one month. And if you haven't started, start now, because uh, we're going to be looking at this the rest of the summer. If you do not have a Bible, we have some brand new Bibles in the lobby, and uh, they're out there on the bookshelves. Go ahead and take one if you need a Bible, because we want uh, to get that word inside of you. We want to be people that live according to the word, and so you can look up the scriptures that Dan gave today. If you don't know where Proverbs is, open the Bible right in the middle, and it'll be right there. It's right next to Psalms, so just open it up right in the middle, and it's there. Also uh, are the devotionals in the lobby. You can take one of those. We want to get the Word of God inside of us because we want to be people of His Word. And so those are available for free out there. Uh, take one for yourself and a family or friend uh, may need that. So go ahead and, and share that. Also make sure that you um, uh, say hi to the Reeds and uh, somebody invite them to lunch, please. They like Culver's. Um, I'm just kidding. They, they've had so much Culver's, but I think you'd do it again, right? I mean, but... So, but uh, they were telling me, I forget how many, like 20 times you've gone? No, I'm just kidding. But, but uh, no, they, they'll be happy to uh, but, but grab them, take them out to lunch. Hey, if you want to start following Jesus and just say, hey, I want to I I walk in this new life that I've been hearing about, we've been talking about. There's a packet on each side of the stage. You just grab, just grab one. They're free. They got a, a prayer in there for you. They've got, uh, tells, it tells you what it means to follow Jesus. And you can go ahead and take that and just keep coming back, learning about Jesus, growing in him. Uh, because that's what he calls us to do. We're not joining a religion. It's a relationship with Jesus. And, uh, and then we live according to his word. And so uh, it's been good to, to be in the presence of the Lord. It's been good to be with you today. Would you stand for the blessing of the Lord as we go? And we want to receive uh, this blessing. And we want to go in the grace and the peace of the Lord. But beloved, you are one week closer to heaven. Are you ready? May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. God, I thank you for your blessing. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I pray that we would be people that walk in your blessing, that would know you, that would be close to you. Lord, I thank you for the favor that you give us. Lord, I thank you for the wisdom that you give us. And uh, Lord, would you be with us this week, keeping us safe and strong until we can gather together again as the church and worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go in the grace and the peace of the Lord.